This week on the 414 Live, we'll be discussing uh, the solution to the often encountered problem of RAC. Random acts of content come about when there's no effective governance in place for organizations to create content. I'll be speaking with Jack Dyson, who, as a former journalist and luxury magazine writer, uh, will has a unique grasp on how to develop a perfectly congruent content strategy, uh, as well as how to get much greater results from your content ROI. Jack will also be sharing how and why uh, approaching content creation through a journalistic angle uh, will massively increase your content ROI. I'm James Rostands and welcome to the 414 Live, uh, right here on LinkedIn Live and this being our second official show and uh, it looks like we're up and running rather nicely. Live on LinkedIn Live with uh, this week, perhaps dangerously so, live behind the scenes on Instagram Live on the camera behind the scenes there. So if you're, if you're feeling uh, like, like watching two things at the same time, do this. LinkedIn Live right now on the show for the main show and the behind the scenes for a slightly different angle on Instagram Live. Uh, good morning. So, uh, the 414 is produced exclusively for you as a B2B marketing professional. And it's so that you can expand and enhance your professional knowledge each and every week. Now, the way that we do that is by interviewing some of the greatest and most interesting minds in B2B marketing and getting them to share their knowledge, expertise and wisdom with you right here. So, my guest today is an expert in content strategy. Uh, however, we won't be talking about surface level content creation or best times to post your media. No, no, we will be going much deeper than that. In fact, uh, we will be learning everything that a seasoned journalist and luxury magazine writer does uh, to create high quality content at scale and using the most efficient manner possible to do so. That's on the show today. To explain the concept then in full, joining me live from the west of England, from the beautiful city of Bath, welcome, Mr. Jack Dyson. Hi, James. Happy to be here. Jack, good to meet you uh, in person on camera. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, this I'm excited about because uh, we, we spoke about this in detail uh, before the show. Thank you. For <laughs> awesome. Um, so could I start by asking my first question, which is with regard to content marketing, what do you consider to be the foundation of effective content production? Foundation? Um, I think critically, you have to have something to offer. Um, you have to have something to say that's of value, uh, that enriches and engages your audience, and is underpinned by solid messaging. Um, the way I do that is I make sure that whatever we do is fed by journalistic or editorial sensibility, um, which, which means being able to have the confidence and the guidelines set up to ask yourself tough questions throughout the content production, um, a point of commission, and then also making it, which means things like, is it good? Uh, are we making the right thing? Um, and also, where is it going to go? Uh, and then optimizing it for other uses, uh, and, and we have a sort of structure of governance that underpins that. Okay. And 
In a company or organization, here we go. In a company or organization, who should lead the content strategy and why is that? Content's an interesting one. Um, there's no there's no single team or there's no single thing that has as much impact or as many touch points with the, the customer, uh, more contact. Um, in my own opinion, well, content is obviously critical to marketing and critical to sales. It serves the whole business. Um, so from messaging and early messaging, uh, messaging and early awareness right the way through the customer journey to service and nurture, keeping people coming back. Um, content has a role beyond persuasion because it underpins and gives you your authority. Um, it gives your audience also confidence and reassurance that they're with the right people, that you know their needs. Um, and so the benefit, obviously, of, of taking a, a broad approach to content and step back and just considering what you're doing means that you have more choices in where and how you can talk to your customers, um, which also gives you more opportunities for conversion. Um, and added to that, it means that you can create a longer relationship as well that's not purely confined to a, to a transaction. Um, the end goal has to always be customer success experience. Um, and that comes from seeing content as something that is broad and impactful. And from an industry perspective, that's not always the norm. Okay. And where where is it then that uh, this B2B content, in your opinion, uh, tends to fall over in some way? Um, I don't think you need to look terribly far um, to find out that often B2B can be shorthand for bland and boring. Um, we don't suddenly lose all aesthetic sensibility just because we get to work. It's not like uh, putting, my, putting my iPhone down suddenly makes me a robot who's only interested in white papers. Um, so I think that's a, I think that's a big risk that, that uh, what you're doing just interesting or engaging, which comes back to those tough questions in the first place. Um, but also it needs to be connected. Uh, if if then isn't connected to, to not only your business needs but also your audience, your customer needs, then um, you'll end up creating random acts of content that, that we see. It's it's not my own phrase. It's you know it's well recognised. Um, ah. You see, the other thing you can see is uh, is a sort of fire and forget commission. You know, someone will say, right, let's do that, um, and uh, do a report, but but they won't do anything with the report when in fact there's been so much love poured into a piece of content that it deserves and is able to, to live on and provide more, more uses. So um, we, have to, we have to see the potential for great content throughout the customer journey. I think that's critical. Uh, and we have to invest in the audience experience. Um, because after all, if you, if you can't say what you do clearly and engagingly, then no one's going to believe you. Um, and I think that if, if you don't have that sort of energy, then you, you risk losing your audience or, or not being able to take them with you in the first place. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, by the way, for any viewers that are just joining us in the middle of this, welcome to the 414 Live. Uh, the 414 Live here each and every week on LinkedIn Live, uh, interviewing some of the greatest and most interesting minds in B2B marketing. And today we're talking about content strategy and joining us live from Bath, Mr. Jack Dyson, head uh, global head of content strategy for SAP customer experience. I got the full title right there, didn't I, Jack? <laughs> yes, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> That's an awesome title, by the way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so carrying on with this, um, what is your approach 
for producing content. And how did you come to determining that that was the most effective way to do so? Um, well, I mean, you touched on it in your introduction. I, I come from a journalistic background um, and I was on magazines and in partnerships, translating brands and what they want to say in, in, a, in a credible voice before I went to agencies and then, and then joined SAP and into client side. Um, so everything I did from early days was, was tested in the, the ultimate cruise, crucible of, of, the, of the newsroom uh, or of the pitch meeting. Um, in a magazine. So um, that meant that we were always looking not at uh, features or at lists of things, but at benefits and outcomes. Um, you have to meet, meet a need with what you're saying, you have to make it good, and you have to optimize for reuse. Um, if, you look at, if you look at a magazine, um, pretty much any good magazine page will have at least three routes into it. So it'll have uh, a, a piece of body copy that's telling the story, but then you'll have a visual route in. So it might be a photograph or it might be an info or there might be another box out uh, or there might be a pull quote. So actually three of those things happening on any page at once. If we take that same lens and apply it to B2B content, um, three different ways of getting over one, one fact or one issue or, or telling one story. But also you'll find that that approach allows you to, to kind of optimize as you go with your content because you're creating evergreen thought leadership, uh, but you're also creating easily shared snackable bite-sized stuff with a box out or the pull quote, which can become a tweet. Um, and then also if you've got any visual, then that can all be joined with Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And all of those three things can live on LinkedIn at once, uh, as well as on your own, on your own channel. So um, really it's just a question of taking what we know works from, from media, which has been well tested and applying that approach in the same way that you are with this podcast to the B2B world. Nice. Uh, well, I think now would probably be a good time. Uh, I've noticed some questions uh, coming in. Uh, thank you, Laura Yeoman. Uh, she's watching uh, live right now. And Anastasia Palmar. Uh, we've had a question uh, come in early from Laura Yeoman, which is, with so much content in our B2B space, how can you cut through the noise with great content? What's your official answer to that? It's a really good question. I think you see a lot of people struggling with it. Um, I, th I think by, I think by focusing on, on the fact that you have to be saying something not original, then of value, that already hits a lot of boxes. Um, and there's other stuff, obviously, like cadence uh, and length and making it right. Um, so, so for me, I've had some really interesting conversations at. Uh, at um, marketing, uh, what are they called? Marketing festivals and events recently, where I've gone up to customers and I've gone up to partners and colleagues and asked them, what do you need? Or what do you like? How do you like to consume content? What's the best way of talking to you? Um, where do you go? I mean, if you consider that, uh, if we look at the C-suite, the people you're probably trying to persuade, 50% um, of them get most of their information uh, from peers and via smartphone. So what you need to be able to do is kind of get into the slide into their WhatsApp, right? Can't do that by, by being advertorial about it. You've, you've got to be authentic. You've got to have something to say. Um, and you've got to say it cleanly and crisply rather than repeating the same message. I mean, obviously it's got to be underpinned by your values, yes. uh, but, but, but yeah, just, just clean and crisp and original.
don't talk too much as I just did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's okay. Every so often, you are, are allowed to do a bit of do as I say, not do as I do. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> do as I recommend. I think that's got a nice uh, touch to it. Perfect. Uh, so yes, so uh, that was um, Laura getting in uh, early on the on the questions to the expert. Uh, so, if you watching right now have some questions that you would like to put to Jack about content strategy and, and content creation, please do uh, enter your question and say hello in the comments uh, on the LinkedIn live stream right now. I and I will put them to Jack at, uh, at the end of uh, towards the end of the show. There we go. And uh, if you've recently joined us, welcome along to the 414 Live here in it each and every week on LinkedIn Live. And if you miss it by any chance, it is, of course, a podcast as well, video and audio. It's a, it's a video podcast on, on Apple uh, and audio everywhere else. If you haven't already subscribed, subscribe to the 414, search on your favorite podcast app, and indeed, follow us on social media. Right, so now uh, let's get, get back to talking about governance. Uh, I've heard you well, mention that earlier when it comes to content production. Could you, with regard to governance, could you cover uh, how and why that's important, as well as what's the ultimate outcome of having good governance in place? Governance is critical. Some people see it as a, as a barrier to creativity. I see it as an essential uh, protection. Um, it allows to have an ultimate arbiter. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about that in a sec, but it, it basically gives you someone to go to and a chain of command to follow. Uh, it also gives you clout and recognition within the organization, which is really important if you're um, not so much competing, but if your content is coming up against other, other teams and their content. Um, it ensures that the content that's being made is uh, strategic from the point of commission um, and that it has a, a life cycle uh, intended for it. Um, and it helps prevent random bits of content getting through when they shouldn't and diluting the hard work putting in elsewhere. Um, and it also helps you stick to your values and to stay authentic. Um, the way I see it, uh, I mean, it's a workshop thing rather than a short interview. But um, the way I see a governance model working is, is uh, roughly in two parts, the strategic and the executional. Um, the strategic part is where you plan and you analyze. Uh, and the end part is where you are uh, more creative and with execution and, and publish and promote. Um, so the people that you need to be involved in there um, are on two levels. The, the first level is is the, the committee, the kind of the top layer. Um, they are the filter to ensure that what's being made is good. And then you have the groups who who do the work. Um, the driver of the of the model should be your champion. So um, it it might not be you. It might be your CEO or it might be your CMO. Um, but you need someone who can ensure consensus uh, and who is able to award the creative ma mandate to the governance team. And then you've got uh, people who do the strategy and tactics. So that, that, that might be you in this case, if, if, if you're running content marketing. Mm -hmm. That's the doer, the collaborator, the director, um, the person who stops things becoming siloed and ins uh, ensures collaboration. Um, and then you've got create producer, uh they're saying like are we on brand um are we ensuring omni segmentation um and making sure that it's not monodimensional i mean another thing in to, just to circle back to that uh, question that came in uh, to make sure that you're telling your content in more than one way um and then you then you have 
analytics, SEO, that's absolutely critical because you want to make sure that you've got insights into what's, what you're making, um, what's working and what's not. Shall we A-B test that? Um, you want to involve comms pool, which is really important because you're making content. They're the other half of the, of the, of the content equation. Um, and then you have, I, I really recommend this, not a lot of people do it, uh, is, is having a customer advocate to, to provide a reality check. And so that might be someone from sales or pre-sales to come in and say, uh, this isn't that useful. <laughs> you know, it's a nice piece of content, but what are we supposed to do with it now? Or um, how can we collaborate uh, to ensure that we're focusing on the right outcomes for our customers? Because while you're doing this, in fact, uh, they, need, they need to hear more about that. Um, I, I think that that solid, solid model is basically distilled very simply into two parts, executional, backed by someone who is senior enough to give you a mandate to go ahead and create. With you. Uh, did I catch that term right? Uh, strategic? What was it? Sorry. Uh, and execute. So, so you have a strategic ah, side. So that's that the, like it. the first half of it. And then it will filter into the executional work. Perfect. The audio dropped out at just the wrong moment. There. Oh, sorry. Could, couldn't quite hear it. Right. Strategic okay. execution. Is it Perfect. back in? Uh, yes. Good. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so yes. Um, Live on the show with Jack Dyson uh, from Bath. Please do put in your, your comments and questions uh, to Jack about content strategy if you're watching live on LinkedIn right now, and uh, I, will put, I will pose them to him. So Jack, when it comes to implementing everything that you prescribe, what do you feel are the real world tangible benefits, uh, business benefits of doing all this? Um, why do you do content? uh to persuade you know okay. so question. <laughs> so so content sticks out when it's good uh content keeps people coming back when it's good content tells people that what you're saying and what you're producing has value um and it's very hard to to stand out these days um i think most fundamentally though uh the real world most business benefit of good content is that it provides a better customer experience. Um, I see B2B as a, as, a, as a luxury purchase personally. My lights have gone up, I'm not moving enough, one second, there we go. Uh, I, see, I see B2B as a, as a luxury purchase so that we can yeah. make people, um, it, it's an emotional thing to buy B2B. Uh, it puts people out there and they don't often get something back that makes them feel good because it's just it's a process it's um you know so how, how do we add value to that experience um and and i think that our wrapper our kind of uh box that goes around the engagement ring you know swanky big uh, selfridges bag or whatever that wraps our purchase you know makes us feel good inside the actual thing that we've that we're thinking of purchasing um that's how we can give people a uh um, a kind of uh, some wrapping for their purchase that allows them to appreciate it more, that allows them to contextualize it and to be reminded of the value of it. And so therefore to continually uh, enhance their experience as a customer. Nice. So, okay, in that case, what would be your advice for marketers or marketing, a marketing department to take the first steps in implementing this kind of strategy? I mean, a lot of it depends on the on the personalities involved. Um, 
you know, if you're starting from fresh, you've, you've got the luxury of of bringing, of, you know, having like-minded people. But maybe, maybe you're you're trying to make change, yeah, uh, and and that's that's a more challenging route sometimes. But either way, I'd say the best thing to do is to start small, um, to take a little corner and make make that your best practice area. Um, so if you're going to try segment your content, then then just start with one report um uh and a b test that uh so find out what works and test it is um so say always anyway make sure you save a proportion of your budget for experimentation and innovation um because otherwise you'll end up stuck doing the same thing year after year and you won't be able to grow with your customers i mean if you think about the fact that we're now using um streaming technology to bring you a audio and a visual podcast. That's a good example of something that we wouldn't have done just a few years ago. So your customers are having these experiences. So how do you meet them there? You need to be able to continually innovate to do that. Um, I take this approach to your vendors as well. Uh, I'd get them on side so that you can get uh, added deliverables on things like, uh, like videos and stuff. Um, good example is I made some demo videos recently and into the uh, into the deliverables with the agents, great. We were able to say, all right, well, look, we've got the two-minute video demo standard. That's what everyone asked for. But let's also do 15 and 30-second cut-down versions. Let's do a version for Instagram. Let's you know, let's make sure when we shoot that we also do one that can be seen in in um, portraits as well as landscape. You know, because we might need it. Um, so that's very important. Is to is to work with your vendors and with your agencies to make sure that what you're doing is, is continually improving um, and then I would also say really important uh, talk to pre-sales and talk to sales and talk to PR and comms um, talk to your customers find out what people are interested in uh, find out what they've seen that they thought was good maybe there's ways that you can learn from your competitors um, and then and then when you've got that and you're starting to make stuff start to squeeze it, uh, start to squeeze the value from it. Look continually at ways that you can repurpose it, that you can reuse it, that you can get more than one use from it. Because for example, I mean, thought leadership is a really good example of something that naturally fits in awareness, um, but also can go to the sort of service-led nurture relationship as well. Because I might be saying, James, here's an amazing uh, article um, that tells you what a little bit about the world we operate in, but then that same article could be reframed as insights that will help you uh, be better at your job, you know, and, and continually learn and, and um, be collegiate with me, you know, be on the same page. Because I, I, I ultimately want to be your trusted companion as a, as a business, you know, rather than your didactic telling you what to do or what to think. <laughs> That's a great word, didactic. Didactic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something to do with God? I know uh, it's uh, it's just learning. It's t it's it's the, it's the teaching. So a didactic tone of voice is is something where I'm just like telling you what to do and how to do it, like a teacher, okay. rather than being slightly more on your side and and saying you know looking at problems through your lens. And I I think that comes down to the distinction between in some ways between features and yeah. So in a B two B, if you're talking about too much then you're missing the benefits, which is actually where the emotional resonance comes in. That's where the sort of the pathos persuasion points come in uh, rhetoric, uh, rhetorically, you know. 
Yes, yes. Perfect. Jack, well, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. I hope this has been a, an enjoyable um, metaphorical ride. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. It's been really interesting. Yeah, thank you. Awesome stuff. J uh, Jack Dyson, live from Bath in the west of England. Thank you very much. Thank you. So if you've enjoyed watching, uh, then please do subscribe to the podcast. Uh, search for The 414 on your favorite podcasting app or indeed follow The 414 on any number of social media things uh, or indeed myself, James Rostansk. Uh, follow me on social so that uh, our content comes up in your feed. The 414 podcast each and every week with some of the greatest and most interesting minds in B2B marketing. I'm James Rostansk. Thank you for watching. Thank you.